Hey y'all, welcome back to Doran Podcast. We are on episode 51 and today we are covering chapters 32 through 36 of Genesis. Hi friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So we are currently in the season of Lent, and growing up, it is not something that um, we observed in my family very much, but I know, Erin, y'all always did Lent at Mm -hmm. your house. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is, what it means, and maybe talk about maybe what you're giving up this year for Lent? Sure. So we... um I always thought growing up it was just a Catholic thing, and yeah. my mom was raised Catholic, and I thought, oh, she just kind of carried this on. I didn't really understand the church calendar or the significance of it, but basically what Lent is, is it's the season on the church calendar leading up to Easter, and it's a chance for us to kind of... Um, put away something that maybe distracts us or something that we feel partially dependent on. Um, Could be anything from food to social media to, you know, just negative thoughts or anything that kind of distracts you from keeping your eyes on Jesus. And it allows us for a season to put that into practice of putting those things off really intentionally and focusing in that time instead on Jesus and the work that he's about to do on the cross. And so it's been a really neat practice throughout my life. Um, I usually do sugar. That's been my typical thing because that's my biggest um, crutch, I would say, is sugar. And um But this year I decided, I felt like God was very, very clearly telling me social media um, to to fast from social media during this season. And it's 40 days. Um, The season of Lent is 40 days. And so uh, it's a day two right now as we're recording this. And I'm going to say it's not very easy, actually. I like read a really great quote this morning um, in a Lent devotional that I'm doing. And I was like, oh, I want to share that with everybody. It's so good. I want them to be blessed by this. And then I was like, oh, wait. I can't because I'm not on social media. So it's already been tricky, but it's been really great because instead then I was able to take that quote and really pray on it and ask Jesus, like, who personally can I encourage Mm, with this? That's good. And who can I send a text to with this instead of just blasting it out to the open world and social Mm. media? So, um, so far it's been a fun, a fun little practice, but it's, it's really been, um, a good thing. Yeah. I don't know why, because usually I'm not super into things that seem legalistic, because it could very easily become right, a legalistic right. thing. Which is why I think that one of the reasons, and my mom can correct me later, but my dad and I were talking about this a little bit last night. I think that's one of the reasons we didn't mm-hmm. do it in my house, and my, my home church didn't do it either, because I think it was kind of seen as just like a tradition. Right. But my dad was talking last night about how he thinks that people are going back to like the mm-hmm. church calendar mm-hmm. and really looking at the different seasons because people are actually becoming, he used the word more literate about what these things actually mean. And it's not just this tradition or these rules, like there's a purpose behind Mm -hmm. it. And Jonathan was talking about how the 40 days actually is to signify Jesus's 40 Mm -hmm. days in the desert. And so I like that a lot too. There, there is some deep purpose behind it and it's not just a legalistic thing. Right. Right. So one thing that, um, our church was um, putting out for people this year is, and I think it's really neat, is a different each week of Lent, they're doing like a different theme. So instead of saying, hey, 40 days, I'm going to fast without um, 
sugar or social media or a complete fast or whatever. I mean, 40 days would be a long time to not eat at all. But um, (laughs) they're doing like a weekly theme. So this week we're going to seek Jesus's face instead of eating sugar, whatever it it may be. Um, And really just taking that time that week to say, okay, what does it look like for me instead of to find satisfaction in this cookie after dinner to really seek satisfaction in Christ. Mm. So um, I thought that was really pretty cool. And there's a lot of really great resources out right now mm-hmm. too. I know by the time this airs, we'll be about halfway through Lent, but there's some great um, resources available for what it looks like to walk through the season of Lent. Yeah, it's good. And I think it's also a good practice just to prepare your heart mm-hmm. um, for Easter instead yeah. of just getting to Easter and being like, oh yeah, like here we are, like Easter. Yeah. I mean, it's really kind of like we talk about with Advent, just mm-hmm. really preparing um, to focus on what Jesus did for us on yeah. the cross. Yeah. So. There's a good um, Lent devotion that we're starting today, actually, with the girls. It's going through the Jesus Storybook Bible, kind of like we did oh, yeah. at Advent, mm-hmm. walking up to it, and they have, yeah. they have a reading plan for that. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Back to Genesis. Genesis. So where did we leave off with Jacob? So we left off last chapter um, where they were parting ways. They had made this, you know, kind of covenant saying, you know, God will watch you and not in a nice comforting way, (laughs) but in kind of a threatening way. Um, But they left on better terms. They had um, kind of parted ways. And then we we pick up in chapter 32 is where we're going to start today. And in verse one, we see that Jacob was, you know, going on his way back to um, back to his family. And that sounds like, you know, a great thing. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you might think, oh, that's good. He's going back to his family. But we can't forget he still left things with Esau, not in a good place. And right? it's 500 miles. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. So he's going back, not, uh, he's excited to see his family and all that, but right, he's 500 miles away. And he's also has this fear of seeing his brother yes. because when he left, his brother had wanted to kill him. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, butterflies and rainbow. He's going back to be reunited with his family. So we have to keep that in mind when we, um, when we look back starting in, in chapter 32 and we see, um, God's angels met him and Jacob saw them and and said, you know, this is God's camp. Like he immediately recognized it and gave it, gave glory to God, which is um, actually kind of funny because it's all God's, right? I know. Like like, this place is God's. Well, yeah, all of it is God's because he made it all, right? So then out of fear, he sends a messenger ahead um, to Esau, basically telling Esau that he's been with Laban the last 20-ish years, and now he has all this stuff, and he's trying to seek favor with Esau. So he's trying to be like, hey, brother, like, it's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. don't kill me, Yeah. (laughs) in other words. And so the messengers return saying, he's coming out to meet you, and he has 400 men with him. Mm -hmm. And so I can imagine that was pretty scary. Right, because you wouldn't bring 400 men unless you're expecting to do battle, right? Right. That's what Jacob's thinking. Right, that's what he's thinking, absolutely. So then he splits up his people because he's thinking, okay, if he attacks one camp, maybe he won't attack the other camp, and I can at least save part of my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, yeah, where do we pick up after that? And then starting in verse 9, we see that Jacob, um, he has this kind of like, I envision it kind of like a rally moment where he's like recalling the promises of God. And I'm actually going to read a little bit of that to you. That's in chapter 32, starting in verse 9. It says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. 
I am not worthy of the least of all of the deeds of steadfast love and faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me and the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So, This is really quite a turning point if we think about it. We see here that he is recalling on who God is and the promises that he's that he has made him, and he's recalling on what God has already done in his mm-hmm. life. He's saying one of my favorite, favorite phrases in the whole Bible is that steadfast love, and that comes back to that word, it's hesed, and it means that like loyal love, faithful love, steadfast love, and that God has shown him steadfast love, and he's saying, I came here alone, and now as I come back, look what the Lord has done for me. And this is not, you know, a, a plea for um, prosperity gospel or anything like that, but what he's doing here is he's starting to see, Oh, this wasn't me. I didn't earn this. This was this was God. God did this work. And he's recalling to God, remember you said you would be with me and you have been with me. And so did anything stand out to you from that passage? Yeah. So as I was reading this, it kind of made me stop and say, wait, what just happened? Because mm-hmm. it felt like all of a sudden Jacob was really seeing God for who he was. And um, then in turn, like we talk about often, he was seeing himself in light of who God is. Yeah. And he was seeing himself as not worthy. And um, this kind of goes back to last week when we talked about like Jacob didn't know these things about God. Like we were talking about how that he didn't have a good foundation in who God is. And um, that was kind of part of the problems that we were seeing with Jacob and some of his doubt. And um, but now all of a sudden, like he's he's grounded in mm-hmm. who God is and who mm-hmm. in who he is in light of who God is. Yeah. And one once again, this is just um, why we think it's so important to, you know, be be literate as far as reading the Bible, because just like the tone of this passage changes when Jacob is able to see who God is, the tone of our lives, lives also change when mm. we're able to see who God mm, is. We good. go from being like these selfish people to being able to say, I am not worthy, but God, you are. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But I just felt like, all of a sudden, like just this big shift happened mm-hmm. and that can only be explained by God. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing, nothing that Jacob did made right. this shift. It was, it was only God working right. in his life. Yeah. Another way we see that is, um, this is the first time. And if you might not have even caught this, but if you're looking at that verse in your Bible, if he's saying God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac. And then he says, Oh Lord. And that, that word Lord right there with all caps, that means Yahweh. And this is the first time that Jacob addresses God as Yahweh. So it's the first time he has kind of this personal, intimate name mm-hmm. for God. And, and I've, just like I've mentioned before, we're going through with the girls a devotion that's all about the names of God. And it has been so, so wonderful because it just reminds us that names are intimate. Names are an intimate mm-hmm. thing, right? Like think about when you meet someone and you have a conversation with them. If they use your name back to you, how much that means to you, right? You're like, oh, wow, they remembered my name. Mm-hmm. It's an intimate, it's an intimate thing. And um, we see here that he is calling him this Yahweh, which shows honor and reverence. And he's now understanding, like you're saying, Casey, who God is. And so um, as we've been going through that same devotion that I was telling you about, that um, it just has been a really encouraging thing for us. And maybe you can listen back a couple episodes or if any of the names that we've talked about here on the podcast have stood out to you, like we've talked about El Roy, which is the God who sees me. We've talked about El Shaddai, which is the almighty God. We've talked now about Yahweh, all these different names for God. Um, one way to kind of 
incorporate those that, that the girls and I have been working on is to use those in prayer. Because just like we see Jacob do here, when we use these names in prayer, it kind of personalizes mm-hmm. our prayer a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say, dear God of my father, like he's doing, but then he goes, oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. So we can say, oh, you know, one example is that the girls and I just went through one of Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh means the God who provides. So when, we, when we're praying to God, just, just as a real practical example here, we can say, you know, like we're going through our prayer and we can say, dear Jehovah Jireh, thank you for providing for everything we have here. Thank you for, you know, the food that is on our table this evening. And it just adds, it's not anything legalistic. It doesn't mean your prayer is more valuable or anything like that, but it's just been a really great way for us to kind of grow an intimacy in our prayer time. Cause I've mentioned on here before, prayer is not my strongest spiritual gift, but using these names for God has really, really helped. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. So then um, we see Jacob is trying to show goodwill to Esau by sending him animals as a gift. So kind of like we talked about, he's like, hey, I've got all these Mm -hmm. things. So he's preparing all these things to give to give Esau. And then in verse 22, we start to see this um, passage where Jacob starts wrestling with God. And so this is an interesting passage. And honestly, this has always been kind of confusing to me. I remember even growing up, I would hear this and I was just like, that's just weird. it It just felt weird to me. Yeah. And so studying it this week has been really cool because I feel like there's been a little bit of clarity brought, um, some different resources that we've found. But um, Aaron, do you want to break this down a little bit? Yeah. So I think before we even pick up with that, like we say, you know, context matters. And the fact that we're reading this through the story makes a big difference because a lot of times I think when we've heard, we're like, oh, I've heard this story. Jacob wrestles with God. We've heard it in an isolated situation, right? We don't know what just happened before. We don't know what's going to happen after. We don't know the history of Jacob's life. But in this time, we see he just sent Esau these gifts and he's like, oh, you know, he's worried. Is this going to be enough? Is he he still going to be mad at me? Is he not going to be mad at me? So he's in this place of, you know, kind of resting in who God is. We see that beautiful prayer, but then he's also not fully trusting because he's trying to save himself by sending these animals. And um, we see again that it's in the darkness, it's in the night, Mm -hmm. just like when God met him there the first time when he was on his way. When he's weak. Yes. So it's kind of setting, setting that contest, I think, helps. So let's just read through what this actually says, and then we can kind of break it down and and walk through it that way. So starting, we'll start... um, in verse 24, it says, and Jacob was left alone. And that matters because remember with how many people he was with? Yeah. And so he, yeah. he was left alone. And it says, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? Here we go with names again. Mm -hmm. And he said, Jacob. Then he said, there's a lot of he said, so we'll break this down. So if you're getting overwhelmed, don't worry. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So. Let's break this down. So there's a lot um, There's a lot going on here. It first says that Jacob wrestled with a man, right? But then we see that change as, um, as the, the passage goes on. So 
the actual translation, I, we've done a lot of different setting on this. Yes. Let me just preface with <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> and I don't think we 100% completely understand no. it. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to tell you what we've learned in our research. But as always, don't take our word as the final authoritative word. This is all um, commentary and study time that we've put in. But also just come back to the word and see, you know, see for yourself if what we're saying is true. And if... Um, if it makes sense. So uh, where do you want to start with this? Where do you want to start? Yeah. So I think where you were kind of going was okay. a good one. It says a man, but we eventually see that it's actually God. So mm-hmm. once again, it's a big word that we've used several times before walking through Genesis called a theophany. Mm-hmm. And that's when God presents himself as an actual human being right. kind of. So I think that that's the first thing we need to, to note is that this is actually God that he's wrestling with. Yeah. Cause I didn't read that verse, but that, that next verse says, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, and for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think that that's, you know, super important to, to see. Um, but so I think there's there's just several things here, like Aaron was saying, there's just a lot here. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me is that it mentions um, that... Well, first of all, we have a really good resource. We have mm-hmm. a couple of good resources. We have a good sermon that's um, from the Village Church. And then we also have a Good Desiring God article um, that I feel like will provide some clarity, maybe more so than we're able to do on the podcast. So we will definitely link those. But um, in this article, it mentioned that perhaps Jacob's hip was dislocated, so he had no choice but to trust in God when facing Esau. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was just a good, yeah. you know, applicable point is that, you know, sometimes God makes us weak, mm-hmm. so we have no choice but to trust yeah. him. So I liked that a lot. That was just yeah. one thing that stood out to me. Yeah, for that's sure. really good. And another thing that went along with that was that um, in that article, that same Desiring God article, he said, I'm just going to read the quote because it was so good. I also posted it on my Instagram before Lent, if you were, <laughs> if you saw it. Um, but it says, when God makes us wrestle with him for some blessing, it's not because he's reluctant to bless us, even though that's how it feels at first. It is because he has more blessings for us in the wrestling than without it. And that goes right along with what you're saying, Casey, Mm -hmm. that there's something for us to learn through that wrestling. Just like Jacob, his identity is changed because of that wrestling. So we know he's... He's called a deceiver. Jacob means deceiver. And throughout his life, that's what he's been doing. He's been deceiving. And in this moment, um, in that village sermon, he made such a good point is once God popped his hip socket Mm -hmm. out, he wasn't standing anymore. So he was probably laying on his belly, reaching and holding on. But when he asks for that blessing, which means he was doing what his name literally means, heel grabber. grabber. So he was doing that. And and God says, you know what? This is not who you are anymore. I get to decide Mm -hmm. who you are. And I think that's something that really stood out to me is that you know, we find our identities in, in the things that we do. So Jacob's here, he's doing this deceiving, he's doing this heel grabbing. And God's like, that's not who you are Mm -hmm. anymore. And that had been his identity his whole life. He had lived up to that name from before birth Mm -hmm. and his whole life, he had only been known as a deceiver. And then God said, you are no longer a deceiver. I'm changing your name and this is who you are now. Yes. I love that because Mm -hmm. I think so often we get our identity wrapped up in what we do Mm -hmm. and we have to remember our identity is not in what we do, but it's in whose we are. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to start with our identity. Yeah. And right on the heels of what the heels, (laughs) 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 of what Aaron said, you know, 
thinking about wrestling with God, I've always thought that when I feel like I'm wrestling with God, it was somehow like sinful. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was because of my lack of faith. But this was really helpful to me to see that sometimes God wrestles with us on purpose right. because there can be a lot of growth in that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I don't want to end up using it as an excuse of, oh, well, God's just using this to grow me. But I think that sometimes that truly is what it is. It's this wrestling that's going to, that's going to in the end provide, um, make us stronger than we were to begin with. Because there's been some times, even lately, you know, I feel like doing this podcast and then we just started a new ministry, which we will talk about in a future episode. And I feel like there's been a lot of wrestling. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I play that off on like spiritual warfare. Like, is it Satan? But honestly, I think there have been times in this that it's really the Lord Mm -hmm. just trying to grow my faith and trying to show me different things and trying um, trying to show me that my dependence is on him alone and not on myself. And so this was really cool to read because I don't know that I have ever thought of it like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, okay, if we know that this is um, a theophany and this is God that is wrestling with him, which, which we see later in scripture, and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, my thought is, okay, obviously it's God. He could have stopped that at any moment. I know. I kept thinking that. Right? I was like, he's stronger than Jacob. Yes. Like that that yes. part kind of bothered me because yeah. I'm like, it says when he, see, he when he saw that he wasn't prevailing, mm-hmm. like talking about God. And I was like, but he could have. Right. He could have. <laughs> but that's not how he was going to change exactly. his identity. Exactly. So it all it all kind of comes together. But I, I got caught on the fact where Jacob was like, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Mm-hmm. And to me, that seemed like a negative thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, who do you think you kind are? Like you threatening can make him? God, yeah. Like manipulation. Yes. But the interesting thing is that his, God's response to that shows that he was kind of proud, not he proud necessarily, it. but he liked yes. that. And I was like, yes. what? That seems weird. But he obviously did because it's at that point that he says, changes his identity this is no longer who you are instead you are Israel um and I just that I always thought that was funny because I was like this doesn't seem like a good thing but then I think it's that perseverance yeah and I feel like a verse that kind of um I was thinking about as I was reading this and I feel like we always land here I guess it's one of my favorite verses and I just didn't realize it but it's Philippians (laughs) 2 12 through 13 it says therefore my beloved as you would all have you as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So once again, just that working it out with fear and trembling, I was like, okay, like maybe that's some of what was kind of going on here. Mm. And so I don't know. I just, yeah, I like, I feel like I read it with, with different um, eyes this time. And yeah. I think a lot of that has been the fact that we have studied the 31 chapters leading up right, to this. Right. And so, so we know where we are there. in history, right? The context is there. We are well-versed in um, the family who Isaac, I mean, <laughs> who Jacob was coming from. And so I think the context really does mean everything. Yeah. So just to give it, I had referenced earlier that there's other passages about this in scripture. Like we always say, use scripture to interpret scripture. So uh, there's a passage in Hosea and you're not going to hear a lot of references to Hosea. It's kind of a random one. Although one of my favorite books is about Hosea, Redeeming Love, Little Plug. Oh, it's a good book. (laughs) Okay. I haven't read that, but I've heard it's good. It's a good one. Um, So in Hosea 12, it's talking here about Jacob, and it says, um, starting in verse 3, it says, In the womb he took his brothers, 
by the heel, and in his manhood he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed, and he wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke to us. The Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. So it's just um, referencing back to that same passage that that's showing that was God. It was God. It was a theophany. Um, if you wanted more clarity on that, <laughs> that, that verse is talking about that. And it's saying that, that that's where God changed his identity and creates, starts the Israel, starts the mm-hmm. name Israel and yes. the future country and people of Israel. Mm-hmm. So um, in that video that uh, Hannah referenced on last, oh, I guess it would be two weeks ago's episode yeah. called True and Better um, by Tim Keller. There was a, he talks about Jacob in that one and how Jesus is a true and better Jacob. And so it's only about 13 seconds maybe that he talks about Jacob, but I'm just going to read what he says because I thought it was really good. So in that video, he says, there is a true and better Jacob who wrestled and took the blow of justice that we deserve. So we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. Because this isn't something we've talked about yet with this wrestling with, with God, is that he is wounded. Yeah. He walks away limping, wounded. Yes. And so we, we've kind of just been talking about how God grows us and that we're blessed through this wrestling and that kind of thing. But he is, he is changed. His mm-hmm. name is changed. His identity is changed in a positive way. But he's also then physically, physically changed. changed. Yeah. And I think... We're so afraid of being physically hurt or Mm -hmm. even emotionally. We're so afraid of kind of that downside. Like we would look at him and we'd say, oh, but his, his hip was hurt. And we might even like see that negatively against God. Like, God, why did you hurt him? Mm -hmm. You know, which that might be our first instinct. But if we think about it, what he was doing in that is creating dependence on God. Mm -hmm. So when we say, you know, God wants what's good for us, that doesn't mean God wants us to be perfectly healthy. That means what's good for us is to be more dependent on God and to grow to be more like God. And sometimes in order to do that, it takes a humbling of ourselves, whether that's physically, mentally, whatever that looks like. And so don't look at this and think, oh, well, God, hurt him think of it and say oh god grew him to be more like him he gave him a new identity and he gave him dependence on on the only thing that truly can change us mm-hmm. yeah that's good that wasn't in our notes and that was a freebie that was a freebie <laughs> and um israel i've heard it said to mean several different things um it could mean he strives with god and i'm trying to remember what he said in that sermon he said something different in that sermon so i'll be sure we'll be sure to post what he said in the sermon because he gave a different definition of mm-hmm. the of the name israel and mm-hmm. i can't remember what it was but it was i think really he was talking good. about how because in that passage it says and he prevailed and was god will saying, prevail maybe yes maybe that's what he said yeah. it was gonna be something something like, that. Something like well, that now you have to listen to it so yeah now yeah ha- it's it was a really good sermon it was not matt chandler it was a different teaching pastor at the village but it was very very good yeah um so then at the beginning of chapter 33 we see um it starts with jacob lifting up his eyes and he sees esau coming with the 400 men Mm -hmm. so he splits up his people and then he goes and he bows down before esau seven times and and what we're seeing here is that jacob is greeting him like royalty Mm -hmm. this is a very um like just this I, i can't think of the word for it but like a um reverence like a yeah like a reverence and almost like you would greet a king okay it's not really a familial type of okay, thing okay the seven times is one of those um 
numbers traditional things that they did whereas esau immediately like hugs him and kisses Mm -hmm. him is like hey bro what's up i mean i'm sure that's not what he said so i thought that contrast was interesting because it's like jacob is terrified still even after this encounter with god like he is terrified probably even more so because now he can't defend himself yeah (laughs) and so he's terrified so he's doing everything he can to be in good standing with his brother and his brother's just thrilled to see him so i thought this was just beautiful beautiful picture yeah sunny funny little side note here <laughs> this is so random but we've been talking lately we've the girls and I have been reading through like Daniel and how we don't bow down to anybody but God uh-huh. and, and all that stuff and um Katie our friend Katie who's been on here before she was telling us the other day that Mason told Abby to bow down to him and Abby was like no I only bow down to God and I was like that yeah. is awesome <laughs> anyways oh, it just Mason. made me think of that with the bowing down That's and funny. so then um Jacob tries to give Esau all the gifts and Mm -hmm. and goes back and forth. Yeah. And And they're like, no, I don't want to. Yes, I do. No, no, no. (laughs) And so finally, Esau's like, whatever, I'll take him. And um, yeah, where do we go from there? So then um, it seems like he goes straight back, but it doesn't actually happen like that. So he camps in, I never know how to say this one, Shechem. Shechem. Okay. And he um, makes an altar to God, which is um, actually where Abraham first Put an altar to God in the promised land. Put an altar. Built an altar. Built an altar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here we go with the names again. So this one is actually straight in here. This is not tra- taking it back to the Greek or anything like that. It just says in verse 20, in the last verse of chapter 33, it says, he erected an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. I like that one. It kind of mm-hmm. flows off your tongue. Elohi. El- yeah. It's kind of, kind of sounds like a song, but what that means is God, the God of Israel. So now we're seeing him call himself Israel. So now, because I think what happens sometimes is God will remind us of our identity through people or through scripture or anything like that. And we're like, okay, but we don't actually buy it. We're like, no, but I'm also this flawed Mm -hmm. sinner and I'm going to keep making mistakes. And God's like, no, Jesus's blood covers you. And you're like, okay, sure, sure, sure. But now we actually see Jacob saying, this is my God, God of Mm -hmm. who you say I am, Mm -hmm. not who I was not the deceiver, but this, this is my God. It's so hard to do because yeah. I mean, like we talked about before, our sin is comfortable, mm-hmm. especially if it's sin we've been in for a long time. Yeah. It feels like all we know, it feels like home. Like right. it's just, it's hard to turn away from that and yeah. just completely move the opposite direction and claim our identity yes. in Christ. Yep. It's hard. It is. So hard. So then we move on to chapter 34 and uh, just a little warning. If there are children yeah. listening, you might want to listen to this at a different time because this is a tough, this is a tough chapter yeah um so dinah who is um leah (laughs) i know i always think of that song too (laughs) leah and jacob's daughter and his only daughter that Mm -hmm. we know of um she goes out in this land to see the women of the land i don't know i guess just hang out with them i didn't really understand which they said that could be a a sinful thing because it could have been mixing with people right. who were not worshiping mm-hmm. God. Yeah. But we don't yeah, know which that makes for sense. Sure. That was commentary. Um then Shechem, the son of Hamor or Hammer, Hamor, something. (laughs) The prince, (laughs) the prince of the land saw her, seized her, laid with her, and humiliated her. Mm -hmm. And so they say in my study Bible, it said that this is possible rape since the Hebrew word uh, means violated. Mm -hmm. Um, So then Shechem, who is the one that did this horrible thing to her, he then begged his father. He's like, I've already done this bad thing, but hey, I really want to marry her now. (laughs) I was like, what? Why did he do that in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, I was so confused by that and so 
his dad was basically like, I'll do anything I can for you. Mm -hmm. So sure, I'll go find Jacob and ask if you can marry his daughter. Yeah. So we see this sin pattern again, right? Of seeing, desiring, taking hold of, just like we saw with Eve. Mm -hmm. She saw the fruit. She desired it. She took a hold of it. Same sin pattern again happening Mm -hmm. here. Yep. And so Dinah's brothers were angry, understandably so. But Hamor basically, or however you say it, basically said, my son is in love with her and I'll do anything for them to be together. So the brothers said, sure, you can have Dinah and all of our other women if if you and your son and all the men of the land will be circumcised. So in verse 13, it says that they answered deceitfully. So the the brothers answered deceitfully. Right. They and had I this liked plan. this. Yeah, they had this plan to do this. And I think probably in the back of their minds, they were thinking they wouldn't follow through. That's what <laughs> I've always thought. Really? I was like, I'm thinking that they're, they're probably like, there's no way they'll be right. circumcised. Who would want to do that? <laughs> so then they'd, it'd be done and he wouldn't have to mess with them anymore. Um, so they had this like deceitful plan and this... This was brought, I think it says in my study Bible or something I was listening to is talking about how the apple didn't fall far, fall Mm -hmm. far from the tree. Mm -hmm. Like now Jacob's identity has been changed. Sure. But they've lived their whole life with the deceiver. Yes. There's this generational sin, like Mm -hmm. we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and they weren't concerned with circumcision as being a covenantal sign. They weren't like, oh, you know, we need you to be of our God. So that's why you need to be circumcised. They honestly were just in this simply for vengeance yeah and so um that's sad to me like yeah. taking this like important like yeah sign of god yeah. and using it for like for vengeance mm-hmm. like that's sad and i'm sure that there's somehow we can relate that to today but i hadn't really thought about right. it much before just now well but. i mean it's just like they don't have any reverence for god none whatsoever right. Right. because if you did you wouldn't take what was holy mm-hmm. and use it for defilement. I mean, it even, this, this is probably a silly example, but it even makes me think like growing up at church, like you didn't run in church, you didn't scream mm. in church, you didn't, you didn't disrespect the church, right? Because it's, it's God's house. Like right. it's, we know that God lives everywhere, but the church is a special place and you weren't disrespectful to it. So that makes me kind of think of the same thing. Like the things that are of the Lord, like mm. you need to have reverence mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. And they just had none. And so, um, yeah, it was really, really sad, but guess what? Those men actually agreed. (laughs) They agreed. And then on the third day, the Bible says on the third day when they were sore. I'm like, I love that it has to say that. Makes it so real. Like, oh yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, they actually were circumcised. (laughs) Simeon and Levi took their swords and killed all the men as a sort of revenge for Dinah. Um, And they also rescued Dinah out of the house when they were taking all the things. They stole everything. They killed Mm -hmm. all the guys. They took their their sister back. And so that's kind of what made me think, well, did he expect them to even be circumcised? in the in the first place because uh, then he ended up coming back and just killing him like why right. didn't you just kill him to begin with like it's just such a just such a sad story mm-hmm. that shows so much sin yeah um so then let's see Jacob was not pleased about this at all as you can imagine <laughs> and he was I mean even though they were getting revenge for his daughter he they still went was, a little overboard they went just a little <laughs> bit overboard and now he was afraid that he would be attacked by the Canaanites and Perizzites mm-hmm. um, so I'm actually going to read what Jacob says about his sons in Genesis 49 5 through 7 and it tells us a little bit about his feelings toward them it says 
Simeon and Levi are brothers, weapons of violence, and their swords, let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willingfulness they hamstrung oxen. So he was not happy. I mean, even later in his life, he was still talking about this horrible thing Mm -hmm. that his sons did. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the story of Dinah. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's so... um, like you were making the point that we see that this kind of generational sin and what effects that have. And I got this good quote, but I don't remember where it's from. <laughs> it's either from drama of scripture or gleanings from Genesis, but it really just, it makes that same point. And it says, quoting now, time and time again, the stupidity and sinfulness of the patriarchs. Oh, just pause for a second. Patriarchs usually is referring to Abraham, Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob, Joseph, this, this past, this, um, family line of Genesis. So time and time again, the stupidity and sinfulness of the patriarchs themselves put them, those who come after them, and even God's purposes in potential peril. Lots of peace. And yet through all of this human turmoil, there is one constant. God remains faithful to his promise to Abraham. So what, what we see here, how that applies to this passage is that even though these things were, you know, not great, right? The whole thing that happened to Dinah, That's sin. putting it nicely. <laughs> yes. I mean, what happened to Dinah was sin. The reaction to it was sin. The, the continuing deceitfulness that rained down from Jacob, still sin. But the one thing that remains constant is that God is faithful to his promise. And so, because I read that chapter and I'm like, What? What do we take away from this? This like, is so weird. Why could Moses have just left us out? Yes. I even put that in our notes. I'm like, why is this even in the Bible? Yeah. I mean, it shows us the depravity of man and it shows us, you know, the sin, generational sin. But like we've been saying as we've been going through this is when we feel like, why, what am I supposed to learn from this? The best place to start is to say, what do we see about God in this passage? What do we see? Because part of me is like, yay, they got justice. And the other part of me is like, is that justice? They went a little overboard. And so I'm like, I don't really know what to do with this. So when we ask ourselves, like, what can we learn about God in this passage? What is, what is something you think we can learn, Casey, about God? I think, and I mean, I'm taking this from something you put here, but just that nothing can thwart God's plan. Like Mm -hmm. nothing can mess up God's plan. And I think I agree. I think that that's the biggest thing that we see here. Our sinfulness, it's, it's despite um, our sin, not, you know, because of our sin, like right. we talked about with Hannah, um, God doesn't love that sin. He hates sin. Right. Um, but despite that, his sin, his plan will prevail. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think, which kind of builds off of that is that, that God's way is the best way. Like when we think about how all of this happened was because the, oh, does it even say his name? Oh yeah. Sec- Shechem. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's confusing because it's also the name of the city. I know, know? it is. <laughs> but, um, he, you know, we, we see he did what Eve did. He, he sinned. He saw. He desired. He took hold of. And when we think about that's not God's way. God's way, you know, is he has this design for marriage. God has this design for a way to live. God has this design for purity. God has this design for holiness. And when we step outside of mm-hmm. that, it's not going to be good. Okay, you might not see immediate consequences, but like we see what happens next. Like this is not the way God designed it. And when, you know, when we live in God's way, that is that's is the best way. God loves us and he has boundaries and guidelines and um, 
a way that we should live for our good mm-hmm. and for his yep. glory. And we have to remember that, that God, I don't know other way to say that than God's way is the best <laughs> way. Um, so I think that's another thing we take away from this is that God's way truly is the best way. Yep. 35. 35. Look at us flying <laughs> through this today. All right. Picking up in 35. So this is, um, God says, this is exactly what it says as we start. God said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to, to the God who appeared to you from when you fled your brother Esau. So he does. (laughs) (laughs) And he tells everyone to put away their foreign gods and purify themselves, Mm -hmm. which is interesting to me it kind of took me aback as I was um listening to this on the bible app I was like what they still have foreign gods Mm -hmm. like what are they doing yeah like it's just kind of one of those things looking back on this story you can see so much and it's like what but when you're in the minute when in the moment you know I mean they were sinful and I'm sure people look at my life and they're like why is she doing that again like again she's falling (laughs) into this sin again you know so it's the same thing we do the same thing we don't have foreign gods on our shelves necessarily but right but like we talked about before the sin that we're living in it's it's the same thing yeah and they're coming from that polytheistic culture back from where they were from so it's just it takes a lot of work to put complete death to sin in our life So Jacob describes God as the one who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So we're like, yes, Jacob, that's true. You're remembering who who God is and what he's done. But at the same time, when I read that, the first thing that stood out with me was it's still a little bit self-focused, right? Yeah. God who answered me me when Mm -hmm. I'm in distress and the one who is with me wherever I have gone. And I don't don't think that's the point of, I don't think that's what Moses is trying to show there. It's just something that stuck out to me, how easy it is for us to go back to making everything back about us. And that's, I prob- that's probably not even interpreting it correctly, but it's just what stood out it stood to me. out, yeah. yeah. Maybe this is a good kind of self-reflection point. If you look to what your prayers are like, are they more self-focused? Are they more about praising God for who he is? Um, it's just kind of a good a good little checkpoint that we can do. And, and maybe try to think of some creative ways in your prayers to to explain God. So I think, you know, we we've thought about this in far as like dating. So you like ask someone like, Oh, well, why do you like that person? Why do you want to marry them? Mm -hmm. And if that person's answer is like, they make me really happy. You're like, Ooh, sketch. Hold on a second. Like that's probably not the basis for a good marriage because you know, making you happy is not the point of being married. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we can ask that same thing about God. Like what is, what do you love about God? What can you praise God about right now? And try not to use you at all in that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It is hard. It's hard. Can you, you want to give an example? So it's tough. The the thing that I thought about was, um, it still sounds self-focused, but I've been studying for a a blog post I was writing that God's the horn of my salvation. And like when you first hear that, that still sounds so self-focused, right? Because it's of my salvation. Mm. But when it comes down to it, so that comes from Psalm um, 18 too, and it's David after he flees from Saul and his army, and um, he's he's listing all of these attributes of God. And one of the final things he says is that he's the horn of my salvation. So I did some research on what that meant. And a horn, he was talking about a horn, not like a doo-doo-doo horn that oh. you play, but like a horn, like a weapon, oh. like taking like an ox horn and using it as a weapon. Oh, I didn't know and that. so it's saying that God will fight my Mm. battles for me. And so even though it still has the word my in that sentence, 
it is saying that it is not up to me at right. all to fight, fight these. My I can't yeah. fight my battles. Like it is totally God. Mm. And so I've had that song stuck in my head. This is how I fight, fight my battles. <laughs> I've had that stuck in my head and we're linking it on the bottom of the blog post that I'm doing. Um, it's for hope mommies, but, um, and then another verse and it's really cool because it, this showed up in the v- devotional we were doing with the girls last night in Exodus 14, 14. Mm-hmm. And I've read this before, and it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. But it says, uh, where is it? Where is it? The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. And mm-hmm. so that's just a reminder that it, it's it's God. God's got it. And it's not up to me at all. It's not up to myself to fight my battles. He is that weapon, yeah. that, that horn that is going to fight for me. And then, I mean, you fast forward to the New Testament, and it's it's – salvation like that's Jesus right Right. Jesus is the horn of our salvation Mm -hmm. Jesus is the only way we have salvation and so that's just what God's been teaching me about himself lately and like I said I know that it's still a little bit me focused um but one of the things we do and we've talked about it on here before but when we start our prayers with the girls in the morning we make sure to praise God for who he is and like Aaron was saying like learning these different names of God, learning these different attributes, these different characteristics of God, like praying, Lord, you know, you're the horn of my salvation. That's different than, um, you know, just the things you pray all the time. You're holy, you're righteous. Like those are good things, Mm -hmm. but just learning these different pieces of who God is in this different verbiage that's in the Bible, it just creates more intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if we were to ask Jacob, I feel like he'd probably have the same answer. Like what has God been teaching you lately? He'd probably be like that. I can't do it on my own. Exactly. I mean, he had to break my hip in order for me to learn this lesson. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool that it's very similar to what Jacob, Mm -hmm. what Jacob would answer. I feel like for me lately, God, and this will seem obvious because we're going through Genesis, but just the (laughs) fact that God is creator of all things and sustainer of all things. Mm -hmm. And just reminding myself that all of this is his. And as much as I want to grab it and hoard it and say, this is mine. These are my kids. I'm going to protect them. This is my marriage. I'm going to protect it. This is my home. This is my job. Whatever it is, I think I have ownership over it, but really I don't at all. He Mm -hmm. is creator and he is sustainer and he is the one who upholds all things and, you know, his will be done. And I, I need, and I'm working on getting to a place where I fully can open-handedly say, God, truly your will be done. And it's, it's not easy, but the fact that he, he is creator and he is sustainer, um, um, really, you know, reminds me of my humble position right. before him. So right. oh, that's good. That was a little side note, guys. <laughs> so just take take a second and really think like where where is God showing you that he really is worthy of your worship and in and in a way that you can worship him God focused, not mm-hmm. self focused. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Going through thirty five. So um, then picking up in verse five, we see we see God's providence and omnipotence. So those are two big words. But like Casey's saying, these are words you can use to praise God. Um, We see that none of these cities pursued them as they were going through. It says, as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. That verse like totally grabbed me as I was reading this Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times God's doing that and we don't necessarily notice it. Like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. as he was traveling before, God protected him because he got there without anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, chasing him or hurting him or anything like that. But then when it makes a point to say it, it's like, God is like, look at how I am protected. Look Mm -hmm. at how faithful I am to my promises that I am putting a terror on these people so they do not pursue him. So I really, really like that. Well, and because Jacob was so scared. Right. Because he had just, his sons had just killed everybody in this one city. And so he's afraid these other cities Mm -hmm. were going to attack him. Right. So 
God just totally took care of things. Mm -hmm. And it made me kind of reflect on how many times do I worry for absolutely no reason? Mm -hmm. Like this past weekend, Juliana had some weird funky rash on her arm. And so I started like thinking it was all of these things, went to Google, of course. (laughs) And she was like basically about to die in my head. (laughs) And so she go, we take her to the doctor on Monday and he's like, oh, that's blah, 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 blah. Basically this very normal childhood rash. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, man, God, like you're showing me that like (laughs) you got it. Like I worry for absolutely no reason. I waste two days, Mm -hmm. all of these things when you've got it. And so I've got to think it was probably similar with Jacob. He was probably so worried and so scared and God just totally protected him. That's a good point. Supernaturally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then we see God meet him again and remind him of his name. And I thought this was kind of interesting because it's like, oh, wait, God already changed. This was real confusing to me. Yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> I don't know much about it other than God just basically says to Jacob again, your name's Israel. It's almost like he's renaming him again. So. And I wonder if maybe it's because he didn't he didn't walk in it. We don't see, besides that time when he says the God yeah, of Israel, so. we don't see anybody call him that. Just a we reminder, see, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought it was interesting because from this point on, it kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes he's called Jacob. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's called Israel. I'm like, it's that's confusing. a little confusing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we see him do that again. Um, and I thought this was a, a good reminder. This is from that village sermon that we have referenced where he was talking about the world tries to tell us, like, be true to who you are. Be the truest version of you mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, that's something we hear over and over again. Like, find the real you. Find the true you. Find what makes you happy. But in reality, what we need to do is actually find what the Bible tells us to be true and what God says to be true about who we are. Mm-hmm. And you'll find it. And like Casey's saying, like, first we look for God and then who we are in light of who God is. And it's not going to be what you the culture is telling you. It's not mm-hmm. going to be go find and do what makes you happy. It's going to be like, no, stay abiding in me and I will be your strength and I will be your joy. Um, and so I think that's just a good reminder that sometimes like Jacob, we might need to be reminded of what our identity is. And it's not being a better version of ourselves. Right. It's being who God tells us mm-hmm. we are. Becoming more like Jesus. Yes. And then this is another thing that stuck out to me. So it, there's this interaction going back and forth when he's telling him you're Jacob. And then God says, and it's not too often in the Bible where we hear God say, I am blank mm-hmm. right yeah. we see he says uh, when he meets with Moses he says I am abounding in love mm-hmm. slow to anger like that but in this passage we he- see him say I am God Almighty which that should ring a bell we've heard that before that's El Shaddai God mm-hmm. is saying I am God Almighty and then he's recalling these promises to him and so I feel like we might be sounding like a broken record here but what we see is God is saying who he is before he's saying what is going to happen so like we're saying, it's about who God is first. And then after that, he follows up with be fruitful and multiply. A nation and company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. So he's saying, because of who I am, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's God's story. It's not Jacob. Jacob is a part of it, but it's not Jacob's. He's not the main character. Mm-hmm. And another cool thing about that is it's pointing to Jesus, right? Right. Pointing to kings shall kings. come from your body. Yep. yep. That's a, what do you call that when you, it's a. Like a prop. Well, not a prophet. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Kind of, yes. Yeah. 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 That's a fair way to say that. Um, so yeah, like Aaron said, he reminds Jacob of his promises to Abraham and then Jacob makes a pillar and a drink offering, um, to God. And then they journey on and Rachel is in labor, which I thought it was interesting. I was like, they didn't even mention her getting 
pregnant. Like, they didn't even say she was pregnant, I don't think. I don't remember them saying that either. It just jumped to, oh, Rachel's in labor, and it's a hard labor, and mm-hmm. she has a son, and she dies in childbirth, which we mentioned on last week's episode that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that son was um, Benjamin. Yes. And so um, they come to camp for a while, and... Once again, kind of random, it mentions that Reuben laid with a concubine and Jacob found out and he was not happy. <laughs> Guys, there's more drama than a soap opera It is in crazy. It is crazy. There really is. And then it lists all the sons, which we did last week too, but it adds Benjamin this time. And so he now has a total um, of 12 sons, which... Mm-hmm. That will be the 12 tribes of Israel yeah. that the Bible talks about. Yep. Um, and then Jacob arrives back at his father's house. Isaac was 180 years old. And um, we see Isaac die, and which is interesting to me because back mm-hmm. 25 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, they right. thought he was on his they deathbed. They thought Isaac was on his deathbed yeah. then. And I just like that too because that just shows that, like, it's God who numbers our days, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. How many stories do you hear of people that think they're on their deathbed and mm-hmm. then they end up living 20 more years right. or, you know, it's God. It's and that he gets God. to live to see um, what we see after yes. he dies is that Jacob and Esau come together to bury him. And mm-hmm. so he didn't get to see them come together to bury him, obviously. But he got to <laughs> right. see some sort of reconciliation <laughs> yes, and Yes, they were there together. Yes. And it doesn't say they were there fighting. Right. Um, and so that it's just such a beautiful picture of restoration. Yeah. Um, oh. I just love that so much. So as we finish this chapter, it's going to take an, a little weird turn before we get to 36. But before we move on to that, the a note in my ESV study Bible said that um, something that I thought was helpful. It says, chapter 35 shows us that the passing of one generation to another, transformed by the experiences at Bethel and Peniel, Jacob is now in a position to assume the mantle of his father as the one through whom the divine promises to Abraham will be continued. So we see that, you know, God had to do all of this work and meet with him time and time again. Um, It comes back to that sanctification process, right? Jacob was not in a place at that 25 years ago to to be fully ready to mm. be the next generation. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. God had to do all of this. And um, I, I read this quote said, God will work through such people to bring blessing to the world. But first he has to work in them and with them. Mm. So he had to meet with Jacob. He had to break his hip. He had to wrestle with him. He had to do all of these things in Jacob and with Jacob before he can bring that blessing through Jacob. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Weird little turn here to finish this episode. It's going to be quick. Chapter 36. 36. Aaron, read your notes from <laughs> from our notes. They so made no sense. <laughs> my notes made no sense. So we're just going to move that to the side. But um, chapter 36, you know, we're big fans of genealogy. We never say skip it. It's important. We can learn things about who God is through the genealogy. But for the sake of this episode, considering we're going on almost an hour right here, um, Chapter 36 is basically a list of Esau's descendants. Hopefully you read it. If you didn't read it yet, go through it before you move on to 37, because it it might be a little good break from all the drama, to be honest. And if you have a study Bible, read the notes at the bottom, because there's usually some really good insight into some of the genealogy. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's how we knew that Ruth was a Moabite and part of Jesus's line, you know, stuff like that. So genealogy is important. Yes. And there's some fun names. Like um, I was trying to read them with Casey's kids with earlier. <laughs> um, and this one I think is my favorite. Ahola Baba. Ahola Baba. <laughs> Sounds so, like a Hawaiian name. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does actually. 
So really do read through those and, and pray and ask God to reveal something about himself to you through that passage. And then next week, we're going to pick up with um, verse 30 or verse chapter 37. And we'll start um, talking about the story of Joseph. And most of you have heard the story of Joseph before, but that does not mean you shouldn't tune in because we're going to have a whole different approach. You're going to learn a lot of stuff, um, a lot of hard stuff, a lot of good stuff, a lot of great stuff about God. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.